Thanks for joining us. This is Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. The content of this radio show is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health professional with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Welcome to One Soul Radio, an interactive conscious conversation grounded in psychology and inspired by spirit with Steve Hassenberg and Kelly Alpert. Welcome to One Soul Radio here on Unity Online Radio. This is the show for you and by you, a virtual community creating conscious conversation and the opportunity to have a place to delve a little deeper in life than you may do on your own. So we're hoping to offer you a unique perspective from both worlds at the same time. My name is Callie Alpert here in the central Hudson Valley in New York with my dear friend, co-host, and spiritual psychotherapist extraordinaire, because I'm allowed to say that, Steve Hassenberg. Hey, Callie. Hello, my dear. It's so nice to see you again. I know. It's good to see you, too. It's been way, way too long. Yes, we've been weaving in um, throughout the summer and the last month um, some previous show repeats with some fresh shows uh, while we catch up and have create a little bit of space and then look forward to full live show continuity coming very soon right? as we launch into fall <laughs> soon so soon to, right soon yes so today listeners our show is creating good boundaries i guess in some ways even the way we've been rolling over the last month of doing less live shows is in some ways a, in a, a boundary um, having a we could talk about more in a meta way. So while setting boundaries is a challenge we may consider limiting to ourselves and our relationships, doing so is actually one of the most expansive things we can do. The higher our self-esteem, the easier and more sound our boundaries are. To own our needs is to value ourselves. So this is kind of a cool reframe because I know a lot of people struggle with the idea of boundaries. You and I have a lot of experience in this area. We do. <laughs> so we're going to discuss our long histories with boundary issues and offer steps to help you create healthy boundaries in a comfortable and self-supporting way. Mm-hmm. So concept, right? Mm-hmm. Sounds I like, like a concept. It. So let's start with the idea. Um, you had a quote from Robert, Robert, Robert Frost. Would you like to share it? This is a quote that I've carried around a long time because when I first heard it, it was like, really? Is that, Mm -hmm. is he being serious or sarcastic? Mm -hmm. And uh, you have to remember when, if you go back to the time of Robert Frost in Massachusetts, there were a lot of stone boundaries between properties. Mm hmm. And so he was talking about, in this poem, Mending Fences. Mm -hmm. And during that, in the poem, he said, good fences make good neighbors. And it sounds like antithetical to everything people want to believe about fences. And at the same time, what we're going to talk about today are the fact that healthy boundaries make good neighbors. (laughs) (laughs) It's so true. Yeah, it's really true. I think that boundaries, the idea of um, imposing or holding strong boundaries is something that many people are uncomfortable with. I would say, I mean, what you know, just generalizing, but I would say most people can relate to this on one level or another um, in, in little and big ways. The idea that, um, especially the, the way we're trying to frame it today, which is that Boundaries are not a limitation. They're actually a, a tool and a vehicle to expansion. And we'll sort of build to that um, throughout the show, the, that, that concept. So I think that's sort of a fresh way of looking at this. Yeah, and it's it's something that I came to much later in my life. Yeah. Because I, I never, almost never wanted to create boundaries because I didn't want to upset apple carts. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, I was always concerned that if I put my nose into something or my if my opinion was too strong, things would blow up. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we definitely share that in our family of origins. That's sort of a dynamic because I had the exact same, you know, sort of mirrors everything that you just described. There was so much chaos and histrionics and drama and there were no boundaries because I was too busy just keeping, you know, especially mom happy. Um, in fact, you know what, I'm going to digress for a second because we're, uh, it just kind of came to me. We're, um, clearing out my dad's, uh, apartment, um, cause we just moved him to another location and I was going through a bunch of stuff yesterday and I found old, an old Valentine or mother's day card to my mom. And it said, you know, dear mommy, I hope I can, um, be a good daughter and I hope I can make you happy. And it was just like this whole thing of, wow, all at the age of five or six, there I was already scared to death that I was, you know, needing to like behave and sort of meld into whatever the, whatever the, uh, the, the expectations were that kind of laid before me as a daughter in this household, you know, but with that, when you grow up with that kind of drama, it's really hard to create boundaries because boundaries are about having an opinion. And like you said, feeling comfortable with being heard and feeling safe that you're allowed to divert from what the rest of the room is doing. And if you don't learn how to do that, it gets really easy to not do it as you get older. Here's the weird thing. The weird what thing. What is the weird thing? The weirdest thing is that you rarely meet a family that's functional. Right. (laughs) So I would say from all the work I've done over the years that 98% of families are dysfunctional. You're taking away my specialness. And I think the other 2% are liars. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. Or they haven't learned how to express emotions, period. So it gets like, it's like a whole other version of dysfunctional. It's just quieter. So, so I think that the idea that there are any healthy boundaries growing up for anybody is probably a fallacy. Mm-hmm. And so we all are struggling with this idea my needs versus their needs how do i fit in will i be rejected am i going to be loved am i going to not be loved i think every almost um, i can't say everybody but almost every human has these issues so if you're just joining us you are joining one soul radio we are talking about creating healthy boundaries and if you'd like Mm -hmm. to join the conversation we would love to hear from you if you want to share some stories um, post some questions get some guidance that perhaps we can offer, please join us at 816-251-3555. So to that point, I would also venture to say that relationship with boundaries that's founded early in our childhoods based on our all of our kooky families you probably either go to one extreme or the other because I also know plenty of people that are so good with bound, like that don't have, they're, they're, they're completely the opposite of what we're describing in ourselves. They're so intent on creating boundaries impenetrably that there's like a rigidity probably because they've experienced the exact same thing as we did. And they just went to the opposite side of the continuum for it too, right? Just defense mechanism stuff. It's absolutely true. So in psychology, we talk about acting in and acting out. Mm. And so there's always this divergence. Mm-hmm. So if you go, if you grow up in a very critical family, either you become very, very critical yourself with heavy duty armor, or you go the other direction, we don't have any good boundaries at all. Generalization, but people kind of fall into those categories. Right. right. <clears throat> so I think that um, before we move on to the difference between like physical boundaries and emotional boundaries, because I think that's a really cool distinction for us to kind of paint today. I just want to really underscore what you just said about all the ways that we, um, I think often unconsciously don't create boundaries. I think the most important one to kind of for all of us to sit with today is that we're afraid that if we do, that we're less desirable and less lovable. I think that's really, really important. Most people, when people talk about boundaries, oh, I don't want to upset anyone or I don't want to, you know, rock the 
whatever, or I don't feel comfortable or don't want to scare someone off. But really at the core of it, often it has much more to do with how much we value ourselves and how much how worried or not worried we are about how lovable and desirable we are to be in the company of these people, right? Yes. So let's just sit with that. Let's just hold that one because I think that's really important throughout the, the hour today. Let's talk about um, physical boundaries and emotional boundaries. What's the difference? What are physical boundaries and what are emotional boundaries? Well, uh, emotional boundaries have a lot to do. Let's go back a little bit. So it's like, what are boundaries, right? Mm -hmm. So a simple way of saying it would be my needs versus other people's needs. Mm Mm-hmm. And how much I'm willing to give, how much others are willing to push, how much I'm willing to dominate, how much I'm willing to be passive, how much other people need to be at the center. All of those things kind of define what boundaries are. So if we talk about what, what did you say, mental versus emotional? Or physical versus emotional boundaries? Yeah, I mean, physical or internal is, and external. You want to put yeah, it like that? I mean, physical is easy to talk about. It's like we all know, and I'm being trying to be simple and clear about it. Um, we all know people who get too close. <laughs> <laughs> Invade our personal space. Right. Mm-hmm. And that invasion of personal space could be a stranger. Yeah. Or it could be somebody we've lived with for 25 years, Mm. right? It could be a parent that's making a demand on us that we don't want to respond to. And so it has to do with uh, kind of the perimeter of us and where we feel safe. Go ahead. So obviously there's the bigger, more like clear, flagrant versions of what safe means. And we all know like if somebody's, you know, violated in ways, inappropriate ways, clearly that's that's a uh, lack of boundaries. Um, but the, the idea of uh, invading people's space, because I could think of so many people that I've known, you know, that I've worked with or that I've known as friends that just don't have a don't read the room don't have don't read the space and really kind of get too close while they're talking and then you move back and then they come closer but i also find that it's a chemical thing too because there's plenty of people that do that and it where it doesn't bother me and with other people it does and the the two people i'm thinking of from my past i i'm actually very fond of or you know have been when that when when we've known each other we're not that close anymore um but it's kind of interesting how spatially, because I actually have a, a very intense spatial sensitivity, just sort of one of my neuroses things. And there's sometimes where it really bothers me with people, and other times where it really doesn't. It just depends on the person. So that's it just, really does. You know, that's an energetic chemical thing, I guess, more than anything. So just to bring one example that's happened recently, Andrew Cuomo in right. New York, right? Mm-hmm. The governor, said, former governor. Former governor who says, well, this is just the way things were. Right, generationally. Mm -hmm. Generational differences. And the women are going, no aggression, right? So I'm not going to take sides here, right? But there are different uh, ways of thinking about all of these things. So as we go through today, we will in some way present both sides of it. And I'm not sticking up for Andrew Cuomo right now. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm keeping my mouth shut. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So and then emotional boundaries, which is much more nuanced, I feel. Right. It seems like uh, there's way more levels to emotional boundaries. I think I can do that by talking about... uh, what went on in my family. Yeah. Because um, in my family, my job, at least the job that I thought I was given, was to sacrifice my needs. And this is emotional boundary. I sacrifice my needs for the greater good. Yeah. Now, the greater good was to try to appease my father So he didn't scream at my mother 
where he didn't scream at my sister. Uh, sacrificing my needs was to talk to my mother for a half hour after my father was screaming. I did what I could to try to keep the peace yeah. because I wanted a peaceful, loving family, and most kids do. Right, right. Every kid does. Or as I read in a book recently, any we all just want our teddy bear. Most of our uh -huh. actions in life are motivated by just wanting our teddy bear, sort of the symbol for just wanting to feel, you know, peaceful and loved and safe. Really, it's like what it comes down to. It's what you I know. want right now. Yeah, I know. I'm with you. So do I. So do and we and we do for the world too. It's well, really, you know, it's definitely a core thing, core value, right? It is. Um, yeah, in my household, and the truth is, it's still going on. Um, even though you know my my toolbox is definitely better uh, fit, better suited to deal with it and create distance. But it's sort of also a kind of an interesting um, dichotomy, too, because when you're coming up in this kind of a chaotic family, there are no needs like you're not heard and you don't feel like your needs are valued or warranted because there's something bigger that's sort of dictating the household. At the same time growing up, I had a lot of boundaries imposed on me by my parents, a lot of rules, a lot of boundaries. And yet when it came to um, our individuation, mine and my sister's, to become our own people, to not be a projection or an extension of our parents. And again, I'm speaking, leaning more toward my mom than my dad in this case. Um, still to this day, it's not acceptable for me to have boundaries. Like that just, there was never any room for it. So while I now know what they are after a lot of hard, deep work, the dynamic still doesn't have any space for that if you're sitting in my mother's seat. It's only a 58-year-old 50, story. So, like, these are deeply what? entrenched narratives and why behaviors. Does, why, does our, why do our lives mirror each other so much? <laughs> Karmically bound. Is, is it New Jersey? I think it's in the New Jersey Jewish is that thing. What it I is? Don't, I, no, I don't think that's what it is. But because I'm laughing so much because my mother told me, I said, my mother said, well, you know, when we're on the phone, why don't you ever talk to me? <laughs> and I said, Mom, every time I try to talk, you interrupt me. And she said, well, just tell me that I'm interrupting you and I'll stop. And I sense. said, OK, I'll try it. And so the next time we were on the phone, she was going on for about 20 minutes and I interrupted her. And I said, okay, you want me to interrupt you, and now I'm going to talk. And about 45 seconds later, she took over the conversation. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. I still, to this day, and you know, and I'm, I'm, you know, me, I'm, I'm actually painfully honest to a fault by nature. Yeah. I'm not a liar. Like I, I, you know, I'm not, not a liar comfortably. I've started to lie just in the name of having boundaries, like just as an, a, a grown adult that needs to have some separation because right. I don't feel like, you know, quote unquote, getting in trouble for not spending enough time, not visiting enough, not calling on the phone enough, not doing this enough, not doing that enough. And it's all boundaries from, you know, an unhealthy dynamic to keep me as sane and safe as possible in a right. desperate attempt after a whole lifetime of not having that and still not having it happen naturally. But to have to resort in your late 50s to lying to your elderly mother so that you can have some modicum of boundaries. Now I'm outing myself. So if any of her friends are listening, then there it goes. Um, but it's interesting. These things don't really. So I think that maybe the more helpful point of telling the story is that in these dynamics, there's often a constant, and then we have to choose to be the variable, right? right? We have to choose to sort of change in the name of supporting ourselves. And that came for me from a lot of learning that my needs were valid, learning that my voice was valid, learning that um, this is all still a work in progress, but giving myself permission not to be um, afraid to have needs or boundaries that might differ from whatever the room at large is saying the room could be a relationship it could be a work situation you know and um it's not an easy thing to learn or unlearn until you no, really decide it, to do it it really isn't callie and um you know how long it's taken me it's still a work in progress mm -hmm. right and maybe that's why we have a long life hopefully to keep working on this stuff yeah isn't it fun 
these oh oh these it's so is. fun these curriculums yeah, yeah. these earth yeah. school curriculums are so fun <laughs> it's, it's fantastic <laughs> <laughs> um so and then there's also the mental boundaries is something you spelled out which is um it crosses over with emotional boundaries but the idea that we have the right to our own thoughts, values, opinions, and beliefs. You know, this world right now, or at least we could speak to our country about the world, generalize, is people are so deeply attached to their opinions and their identities and their political beliefs and their dogmas and the divisiveness is really underscoring how much we hold our mental boundaries, if we, mm-hmm. if we will. Yeah. Um, but again, to the point that I find it to be really counterintuitive, because I think there's also such a thing as clinging too tightly to your boundaries, where it's more about, again, like a defense mechanism than it is about really just asserting your need or your voice. Well, there is a tendency when things are chaotic. Right. And when things are chaotic over time to become more people become more black and white. Right or more fundamentalist mm. and because it's so, too much to bear because it's just it's like too, too much. much people are too confused yeah people are lost and so what gives people safety is to have their opinion and their opinion becomes ironclad right unwavering and uh there's a safety element in, in that so I think what we're seeing now, all of these diverse and what's the other word that I'm looking for? Divergent. Divergent. I don't know. I just threw divergent that out. is the good word. I like it a lot. So people's opinions are yeah. so strong, so much anger anguish, hatred, frustration. And I believe a lot of that has come out of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. I don't think it was that bad before the pandemic, as bad as it's always been. And I think the lockdown and the lack of freedom and the lack of socialization and the kind of solitary confinement has caused people to get very black and white. Mm, Interesting. Yeah. Just because we feel so helpless and untethered and confused and out in the ether of strangeness yes that we have to cling to something so we cling to like boundaries that could be at the expense of having an open heart or having relationships in more peaceful ways too it's it's interesting i guess what we're going for today is the goal would be for us to figure out how to find that middle ground right where we can have our voice and our sense of individuation without clinging clinging so tightly that we're um, doing it at the expense of ourselves and our relationships and our you know dynamics. It's an interesting paradigm. Sort of. And we and we really do it physiologically at the expense of ourselves mm-hmm. because the more we contract and and having very severe opinions right contracts the body because what you're saying is so true. We lose the ability to be open-hearted. Mm. And when the heart is more open in compassion and we're more open perceptually, the body tends to be more fluid and healthier. Yeah, it's really interesting, too. It's not um, I think that's a really helpful point to bring up the idea that uh, that there's a physicality to this mm-hmm. topic, too, and the way that our bodies respond, you know, that that our behaviors are aligned with the best version of our bodies. Or it's not the, exactly the right way to say it, but the, the, the best um, conditions to lead our bodies in, to be open, to feel fluid, to feel soft, to feel open hearted, to feel relaxed, to feel mm-hmm. as like stress free as possible. That um, that definitely is a benefit physiologically as well. Yeah, that's important, isn't it? Definitely. So the boundary issue is an important one. And um, I think just to reiterate what you're saying, thinking about what healthy boundaries mean as opposed to unhealthy boundaries is really what we're pushing today in our show. Do you think that 
again, generalization, but I think that um, women might be conditioned to have a harder time with boundaries than men. Do you think that that's true or is that a fallacy? No, I think it is true. Um, in terms of the clients I've had over the years, um, women usually want to appear, appear to be appeasing. Yep. Nurturing. Peace, nurturing peaceful warriors. <laughs> men can get off on being alpha males, mm. <laughs> very opinionated, in control, uh, arrogant. I mean, you know, we often talk about men can get get away with arrogance and women can't. Right. We're not used to it, right? right. right. So women tend to be more soft, easier, receptive, and thank God for that. So I would agree with your assessment. It's also, um, there is a sort of in the air and, and for many years now, and even more so now where there's more room being made for the equilibrium to balance out between these two generalizations too, where there's more room for men to get in touch with like their, their non-bound side and women to get in touch with asserting more boundaries um, and embracing that a little bit more. So we're going to continue the conversation about creating good boundaries and we will be right back. Experience the difference. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to One Soul Radio with Steve Hassenberg and Kelly Alpert. Welcome back back everybody to One Soul Radio here on Unity Online Radio. We are talking about creating boundaries. And I think it's something that most of us can relate to, the challenges of creating boundaries, maybe some of the deeper reasons why it can be challenging. And we're going to get to some ways that we can learn to assert boundaries in um, in, in, in comfort and in self-support. So let's take our caller who's been waiting patiently on the line. Caller, are you there? I'm here. Hi. What's your name and where are you calling from today? Hi, I'm Janet. I'm calling from Los Angeles. Welcome. Do you Thank have a, you. do you connect with this topic? The idea, how are you as a boundaries I, asserter? Yeah, I do. It, it's something that Steve was, um, was talking about earlier, right before the break, um, having to do with how boundaries uh, seem to have gotten um, different during COVID. And it brought up for me, um, I was wondering if you could address this seemingly rigid boundaries that some people have that we butt up against each other about getting vaccinated. It, mm. it seems that we're in a public health crisis and getting vaccinated shouldn't be about politics or is it? Mm. Loaded. It, it sounds like a good topic for a radio show. <laughs> it, <laughs> it is. It is. <laughs> Wow, I um, I'm not I'm not sure that I um what that I have anything near an answer. I mean, I will say that the whole it does feel like that is um sort of underscores what Steve's point was earlier about the hardiness of boundaries and our dogmas and how deeply we attach to our belief systems. The more we're in a place of yeah. fear and the more we're in a place of like crazy world where it seems like we don't have control over much. So I definitely would, you know, would, um, would support that that's happening. And this does seem to be a widely divisive topic. And I do think, um, widely politicized. I don't think that it's as clean as just politics separating people's opinions about to get vaccinated or not. I think that's a huge part of it because then there's also people that are anti um, vaccination for either religious reasons, spiritual reasons, vigilante, you know, or anti establishment reasons. 
So um, I think it's I think it's complex, but I also think that there's not a lot of gray when it comes to the way people feel about this. So I would say it's a pretty bound topic. Yes, and I think we're we're all wrapped into it, aren't we? We are. So um, I I have a, a kind of a nuanced answer to this because what I've done. Um, over the last three or four months is I've kept um, track of much of the data coming out for and against the vaccine. Not a lot of people have done that probably. But I did that because I've got clients and friends. I, by the way, disclaimer, I did get vaccinated, but I have clients and friends who are against it. Mm-hmm. And That's so right. yeah. I did not want to lose those relationships. Um, at the same time, I wanted to be well informed about what was taking place. And so the best answer I can give you is that out of all of this data processing that I've done, uh, I, I, I've realized that, you know, the pandemic kind of came upon us very fast. And I feel that a lot of wonderful people did the best they could at the time to try to prevent a lot of deaths. And we, we were going by the seat of our pants. Everybody was. And so some of the data that I have read about the vaccine is they weren't tested long enough. Mm -hmm. That actually made a lot of sense to me. Yeah. Most vaccines are tested between seven and 10 years. And this fact, these vaccines were tested in a matter of months by necessity. Right. Although I will chime in. And again, you're way more of an expert on this than I am. That the J and J vaccine technology is based on yes. older technology. I'm outside. We're ready for some AC. Okay. Do you mind masking? <laughs> I think we just got a little yeah. um, background from our caller. Yeah. Go ahead, Cal. Yeah, no, go ahead. That's all. I was, that's all I was going to say. That I think yeah. that one of the one of the um, the three t- more widely used vaccines was based on older technology. But again, uh, you know, it still wasn't um, tested to the same degree that most are. Right. And so uh, I've, I've come to the opinion that the people who haven't done it, who are friends of mine and clients, um, you know, I, I give them the benefit of the doubt. Right. Uh, I, I, I don't come back and, and give an argument for why they should be vaccinated. Uh, there are a lot of people that are ignorant about it. There are a lot of people who are educated about it. And um, there are a, a lot of good arguments to say, I don't want to be vaccinated. But now that we know that unvaccinated people are winding up in the hospital with the Delta variant, you got to think twice or three times about that. So I guess my answer to our caller is that I've, I've, I, I know what I did for myself. I feel very good about it. All of my family is vaccinated. And yet if people aren't, I don't argue with them. Yeah, I'm kind of, I'm in the exact same place. I have very close friends and family members that are not vaccinated. I am. And, uh, you know, I really try hard not to judge or get too um, attached to the different, you know, the, the right or wrong of it. Because I don't think there's right or wrong in most things in life. I think this is hard and it makes me really sad on a lot of levels. Yeah. Um, but I also don't know that uh, that there is any, I, I do think that boundaries circling back to the topic today, because this is a great question in that it's extremely current and such a pervasive topic or pre- prevalent topic for everybody. Um, but from the boundaries piece, so would you say that this fits into the category of like people having pretty stealthy boundaries? in terms of their decision-making around it? I think the boundaries have been set. (laughs) I think they're in concrete. Yeah, it is pretty concretized, isn't it? I don't think it's going to be changing anytime soon. Yeah. 
And it may mean that we live with this stuff for a long time. Does that answer your question, Jen? It's a it's a big one. I'm not sure if we lost Jen, but thank you for the question. And um, yeah, that's definitely more of a macro uh, application of the topic that we're talking about today, yeah. um, and how it kind of feeds into you know our society. Um, and yeah, when it, again, I I can be very principled about things too. We all are. We're humans, right? And feel like our opinions are stronger in certain areas than others. But I also think, for the most part, things are shades of gray, and that there's always nuance to most everything. That's and most everything has some sense of negotiability. And I think that's a, a very healthy way of looking at life. Well, we can only try to do Thank our best, and I, you know, you can't say that I do it every day by a long shot. Um, let's talk. Let's go back a little bit to we were talking about um, when you come from lack of boundaries or a lack of safety around learning what informs boundary making like you and I both share. Um, it has this really fun, wonderful way of following us into our early adulthood, into okay. our jobs, into our relationships. Yeah. And I know you and I share this, right? Okay. Before we get into the relationship part, cause you can speak yeah. for me too. And, um, well, you know, I even think about like with work, with jobs, um, mm -hmm. early on in my career where, um, I was afraid to say no to anything. Because I was just taught that you're, you know, you're lucky to have a job. And I mean, some of it's good work ethic, too, because yeah. I came from depression era parents where everything was, you know, um, again, the, the ethics and sort of the idea of having a moral compass around work was like very deeply in, embedded in us. You bet. But also at the expense of my own soul, plenty of times where I was like afraid to speak up and say no. Or, I mean, I'm not like that anymore. You know, I, now I, I understand that we get hired into jobs to come with whatever it is that we have to offer and to have our voice and our opinion. And it took me decades to learn that and feel safe and comfortable mm -hmm. around it. Um, but relationships is the other place where it, where it really plays out, especially in our romantic relationships and in our friendships. But Absolutely. Let's talk about the fun we've had in our romantic relationships where we did not even know how to share a need. Because well, we, we walk the same path on this one. We did. Well, is there a path where we're not walking on this? <laughs> not to be found yet. We'll okay. keep trying. <laughs> All right, we'll keep trying. So um, there's a great term in psychology called reenactment. Mm. And there's a tendency for everybody to reenact dramas intense dramas and scenes from their childhood. Now, there's a good reason for this from a spiritual point of view, because in reenactment, you get there's a possibility that you could do something differently, right? Huh. Wow. <laughs> no, it's powerful. It's real. I'm laughing because it seems so obvious now, but it's a big awakening when you can realize that you don't have to act the same way and that you have ownership of your storylines and that you can shift them. That's a big thing. Yeah, you can be independent right. from what you've been through, right? But in most cases, reenactment is the same cycle of shampoo, rinse, and repeat, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. So my rinse and repeat cycle was with... Um, I, I'd always try to find chaotic situations in order to reenact my childhood. I would give myself up. I would be heroic. I would be noble. And I would find people who needed help. Being my, fam yeah. my family needed help. Yeah. And so I knew how to do that. Right. It's called trying to save, save, oh. save, save, because it's the only way you can feel like you're a valuable human being is by saving yes. everybody else, right? As, as I said to you on the break, I got my PhD in placating, <laughs> mm -hmm. right? So you tend to gravitate what you're good at. And yet the result of being good at that is to feel that once again, 
my needs weren't being met. So yep. now you're now it's your turn. <laughs> you said it. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Keep talking. It's the same. Um, so many things come to mind because I'm also I'm also thinking about the idea of needs. When your needs aren't met, you can you know it, you can, you have a propensity to be a little needier with people maybe than if you knew that your needs were valid and were met you know early on. Um, you once said that to me when I was worried that I was maybe a little too needy of some of my friends. Yeah. And you said, um, well, if your needs weren't, you know, your needs weren't met as a kid, of course you're needy. And I thought like, I hate that adjective. I certainly don't want to own that, but I also know that there's aspects of it that are true. So, um, that's just another way that this all kind of manifests, but same for me. I mean, I found every man in the book who was really more about them. There wasn't a sense of equal reciprocity. There were definitely elements and amazing parts of the relationships, but not like a pure form of reciprocity and like safe resonance consistently. It was really all about my conditioning to um, overextend at the expense of my own needs all the time because it's, re it's reflexive. It was a very, very deep reflexive thing that I learned very early on. Um, and I remember I'm thinking about a dear friend of mine, I actually reached out to her today, um, who never had issues with any of this. And I always marveled because I didn't understand it. But like early in our 20s, you know, we went to college together and early in our 20s when we had early you know, romantic relationships blooming. And anytime she talked about a boyfriend and she'd say, she'd just retell me a story, you know, retell a story about something that happened and how she asserted her boundaries without talking about boundaries, just telling me a story. And I always marveled, like, weren't you afraid he was going to break up with you? Weren't you afraid he was going to like, you know, just leave you high and dry? And it I never talked to her about it in this capacity, but it's standing out to me in my mind right now because it was unfamiliar um, territory for me to hear somebody have that dynamic. Um, and yeah, and then I continue to find man after man to either save or spark or light up their and, you know, light them up in a way that they hadn't known dig too deep inside for something that I knew was there, like all these noble attempts I had to make them into something that they weren't or to save them so I could feel better about myself. You use the word noble or nobility a lot in your stories. Um, and then I don't even remember what the awakening was. I knew I was always unhappy. I knew I was always feeling disappointed and angry that my needs weren't being met, but I also didn't have the language to empower myself to do it for myself or to give myself permission to know that there was somebody who could meet me in the same way. That was like a novel concept for me. I was always sort of supplementing my needs that way. Um, so it's, yeah, it's interesting and always fascinating, especially the romantic relationships, all the old, you know, stuff tends to come up and, uh, and show itself very loudly. And um, that's the beauty of spirit. Isn't yeah. It? You I could mean, look at it like that. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. Of course it is. <laughs> If you can right? look at it, yeah, go ahead, make your point. <laughs> the beauty of like spirit is we always get another chance. Mm -hmm. We get another chance with different people. Mm -hmm. And um, it's like, okay, let's try this again. Mm -hmm. Very gently, doesn't feel that way. Let's try it again, see if you can do better. What did you learn from the last one? Mm -hmm. right. And hopefully, finally, get you get to a point where you learn that the ability to love yourself, the ability to be more compassionate toward yourself is kind of a strengthening agent where you don't need the outside world to affirm you as much. Right, exactly. And... And, you know, on our notes, I put down these two funny terms from psychology because I thought they were very relevant. One is field dependent mm -hmm. and field independent. I've never heard those terms. Yeah. You'd have to be you'd have to go to graduate psychology to do that. But field independence is what I've just described. People who are, have greater self-esteem, people who value themselves more, are automatically less dependent and more sovereign in terms of the world. Yeah. 
people who are field dependent, which I would say I was for most of my life, are always looking for the reinforcement from the outside world, either through a relationship, through a job, through accumulation of money. There are many different ways to configure your identity. Mm -hmm. When you don't have your authentic identity inside so that's called field dependent it's such a great way to um to just drive this point home i think just for people to even stop and pause and just get a little create a little space around the relationship with boundaries and look at them from those two places Mm -hmm. you know are you comfortable or are you uncomfortable are you uncomfortable because you're looking to you don't want to rock the boat or upset anybody because it'll make you feel badly about yourself or otherwise it's really it's it's a really cool distinction you know um i just even i just traveled to colorado for one of my best friends um son's bar mitzvah and um there were a few things that she needed some help with and uh, in in theory like a no-brainer for me of course but i've been in such a fragile place myself because a lot of stuff going on in our in my family and um, was just so exhausted and traumatized and wanted to look at this trip as a vacation besides just attending and supporting with this beautiful, um, ceremony. And there are a few things that she asked me to do. And I said, no. Um, and I, it was a very conscious thing where I had to kind of sit for a moment, take a moment, give myself permission, give myself a little speech in context of what you and I are talking about right now, and then feel good about doing it, you know. And, and she didn't. I mean, for her, it was fine. She was completely supportive and accepting. Um, but for me, it was a thing. How could I say, you know, no to my dear girl about whatever, you know, she was asking. These were not big, like, um, big asks at all. But I just needed to be extremely careful with myself, um, in different capacities. And so it was like this really palpable and super recent example of everything we're talking about in a more of a simple kind of innocuous way. But the, the thing that tied it all together, it was me remembering that I wasn't going to feel badly about myself if I supported myself in the process, you know, I also think there's a fine line, like how do you, before we get to our action steps, action steps for today, how do you distinguish between what you just said, the idea of like field dependence and field independence and someone who's just flat out selfish? Because that's a whole other thing. Somebody right. who doesn't have any availability is like hyper bound about everything and isn't available for to meet other people's needs or to bend or to negotiate because they're just so caught up in their own thing. That's like the opposite extreme of what we're talking about, right? What do you say about that person? Yeah, just because, you know, how do you reconcile selfishness with boundary um, or field? Which one would it be field uh, independence? Well, the thing is that when we talk about those two terms, we're talking about the kind of incremental movement that we have between being dependent and being independent. Mm -hmm. Somebody who's selfish, very selfish, has no movement right there you can use the word narcissistic right my uh, favorite your favorite one and uh it's a very sad place to be because um you re you're non-receptive basically not mm. just to people but to the world at large mm, like your armor so yeah the mm. armor is so thick yeah that's why they say often that it's somebody who's deeply narcissistic will never change because it's hard very hard to get in there mm -hmm. so the arm the term armor is the correct one there's no movement yeah it's immobile yeah Interesting to kind of think about how these all sort of live on the continuum of boundaries. So I think that um, let's let's talk about our action steps. I think that um, what informs our action steps today has to do with the point that we wanted to really kind of hold earlier in the show, which is that the more love you can give yourself, the more compassion, the more self-support you can give yourself, the easier it is to have boundaries the less you need to question them and the less you worry that having them enforcing them is going to make you less lovable and less desirable to the people around you. It's a really cool 
way to kind of cool formula, I think, to look at this. So the first one is to pick an area of your life where you have trouble expressing your needs, write down what you're afraid of. Um, so for example, if you, with a friend, maybe there's something that you're always saying yes to, and you really want to be saying no, it could be as simple as, you know, an activity that you do together that you don't like. Um, Second, ask yourself, what would my life be like if I could express myself more clearly in the above situation and jot down some of the things that would be different if you were to. And third, take one simple need and let yourself express it and then note how it feels because inevitably it always feels really good. And you realize looking back that it wasn't that big a deal, right? It's like the story we write in our head about how hard it's going to be, how alienating it's going to be is really way more dramatic than the reality of what happens when we just summon up the chutzpah to do it. It's really our protective mechanisms are so much more dramatic than the actual event. Mm -hmm. We're very, very imaginative about all that stuff. <laughs> yes, we are. <laughs> <laughs> and how disappointing that it doesn't measure up to the drama. No, right. actually, it's a very healthy thing in the, in the, on the road to trying to become healthier and more whole human beings, right? Um, so again, the first action step, pick an area of your life where you have trouble expressing your needs. Think about what that could be. It could be work. It could be a neighbor. It could be a friend. It could be a parent. And write down what it is that you're afraid of exactly and just give it a little bit of space on a page. Ask yourself, what would my life be like if I could express myself more clearly in the above situation and jot down some of the things that would be different? And thirdly, take one simple need and let yourself express it. How did it feel? And ideally, we'd love for you to come back. You can call us at a future show or join us on our Instagram or Facebook page and let us um, let us know what kind of success you had. Um, but it's definitely it's a work in progress, I think, for both of us, isn't it? It's just, it absolutely, um, yeah. it absolutely is. It's yeah. an artwork. Yeah. I remember actually, I'm going to share a quick story before we get to our, just um, our goodbye today. Cause we've got a minute is, um, actually it has to do with my, I want to keep uh, belaboring with my, you know, around my mother, but, um, this is a bunch of years ago when I didn't have the words to express, um, something really big and real inside of our dynamic. I just did not have the guts to do it. I was too conditioned not to. Um, it wasn't a particular circumstance. It was like just the dynamic. And I remember when I finally did, I remember I was sitting in like a parking lot at a bank in New Jersey or something. And I was, I saw, I was so happy afterwards just to like give myself voice and express whatever it is that I needed to express whatever boundary I was trying to have. I took myself out for like a lobster dinner like that night. I did. I just, it just popped back in because it just felt so freeing. It's not like anything got so much better after it got fixed or changed, but I changed because I opened up more space in myself. So I just wanted to share that for inspiration. With that, we want to thank everyone for joining us. You can find us on One Soul Radio on Instagram at One Soul Radio, Facebook, One Soul Radio Podcast. Please engage with us online. And next week, our show, Are You Living Your Destiny? Thank you all for joining. Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.